stuff that you know makes you stand out. Yeah, that's yeah. right. Put that on your resume. Attend. <laughs> no, 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 don't, no, don't do that. <laughs> Just attend it. That's all. Yeah. I didn't work for Amazon. I attended. <laughs> oh my god. Welcome to the Events Podcast. I'm Samantha Ming. In this episode, I attend Amazon's Awesome Day event. This was a free training event held at the Vancouver Convention Center, and hundreds of developers attended. There were free breakfast, free lunch, and even free popcorn. All you have to do is sit through a five-hour lecture. So are you ready for a five-hour podcast? Just kidding. You're only going to hear the highlights. Let's get started. The instructor of this event is Barry. He's a technical trainer from AWS, and he'll be covering five modules in this training session. The goal of this event is to provide an overview of all the products and services offered by AWS. In this first module, Barry gives us a history of AWS. So in 1994, Jeff Bezos incorporated Amazon. 95, Amazon.com launched and started selling books. Somewhere around 2006, we decided, you know, there's a lot of infrastructure that we're using that we think if we sold to people, they would consume it at great rates. So in 2006, AWS came around. Different services available within AWS, of course, everything from storage, compute, database, network, networking, messaging, and everything in between. Very important quote on the slide is, enable businesses and developers to use web services to build scalable, sophisticated applications. That's really the gist of it. That's really what AWS is all about. In this clip, Barry explains why you should use cloud computing with AWS. Stop guessing capacity. I've got an application that I'm going to release in six months. I know I need this much right now for my developers working on that application. I need this much storage, this much networking, this much compute. In six months, I'm going to need this much. I think I'm going to need this much. Well, there's lead times in buying the hardware if you're doing this on-premise. When do I buy that hardware? How do I get that so that it's set up and ready, so it's online and running when that application releases and when I start getting those customers accessing my application? Worst thing you can do is not have it ready. Your application launches, people try to go to your site, go to your application, and it's not there. Or it's so slow that they just don't use it. What if you underestimate it and the uptake on your application is much higher than you estimated? 
You're going to get poor performance. You're going to get customer dissatisfaction. What if you overestimate it? You're spending a lot, money, a lot more money than you actually need to. There's a huge number of services that are managed that AWS offers. By a managed service, you put data, for example, a database. You put data in a NoSQL database, our DynamoDB. We scale the compute capacity, the storage capacity, the memory automatically. You don't have to do any of that. Huge advantage using the cloud for the elasticity of nothing else. Although it's called cloud computing, your data with AWS is actually stored at a physical location. And you get to choose the location of where you want to store it, or what Amazon calls it, regions. Within a region, there are several availability zones. Barry expands on this in the next clip. We have 16 regions around the world. Every region has at least two availability zones. An availability zone is a collection of data centers in an area. Each availability zone is isolated from the other availability zones in that region. Different fault lines, different electrical grids, different networking grids. The advantage is we recommend you deploy in a multi-AZ environment so that you have your application in one availability zone and in another availability zone. Some catastrophe happens, you have that, that uh, fiber-seeking backhoe that goes out and wipes out an entire communication grid. You're still alive and running in the other AZ because it is isolated from the first AZ. One thing to note about having multiple availability zone is... There's a lot of things that we will do for you if you do a multi-AZ deployment, a multi-availability zone deployment. We, I'll say this flat out, we never move data out of one region to another. That's important, because if you have requirements that says my data has to live in Canada, and we're moving data for you, you just violated that compliance, or we violated that compliance for you. We never move data out of a region. You can. We give you a number of tools that allow you to do that, but if your application determines, I need to move that data, by all means, we'll give you the tools to do it, but we're not gonna do it. In module two, Barry introduces the foundational services. This includes Amazon Elastic Compute Cloud and Amazon Simple Storage. We'll hear him talk about the first one in this clip. So foundational services, let's dig specifically into the Elastic Compute Cloud. It is your resizable compute capacity. It is your compute services within AWS. Very critical and one of the key issues with cloud computing and with AWS cloud computing is you're only paying for what you're using. If I'm not using this EC2 instance, stop it. While it's in a stopped state, depending on your billing model, I'm not paying for it. The other foundational service is its simple storage, known as S3. It's also Amazon's most popular service. The simple storage service. This is your 
huge, unlimited bucket. You can put any number of things in this. Each item has to be five terabytes or less, but you've got this large amount of storage available to you. It is natively accessible via an HTTP address. You can go to it using this HTTP address, upload, download, view, you can do puts, you can do gets, you can do rest commands all over the place. Any amount of data at any time from anywhere on the web, highly scalable, think elastic, put as much data in there as you want, we're going to make sure that we have enough storage to accommodate whatever you want to put in there. All right, let's move on to module three. In this module, Barry talks about the security Amazon takes to protect your data. Physical security, there's 24-hour staff, these data centers, 24-hour security staff, undisclosed, nondescript locations. Again, as an AWS employee, I don't know where data centers are. There's no time, any point, anywhere that I've found any information that says, here's where an Amazon data center is. Security by obscurity. If we don't know where the data center is, if we can't advertise where data centers are, people can't go do things to that data center. They can't take that fiber optic seeking backhoe and wipe out an entire series of communications. All right, we are about nine minutes early, but let's go ahead and take a break. Great, it's break time. Guys, by this time at the event, I was feeling really tired. It's been four hours of back-to-back -back lectures. So what do you say? We take a stretch. You put one hand in, you put one hand out, you put one hand in, and you shake, 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 shake. You do the hokey pokey and turn around. Everybody turn around. Guys, stop fooling around. We gotta get back to the lecture. Uh, uh. In module four, Barry talks about the database services. There are two primary flavors of databases. You have your SQL relational database, and you have your NoSQL database. To pick the appropriate service depends on the type of database you are using. If you have a SQL database, you can use Amazon relational database service. For NoSQL database, there is Amazon DynamoDB. Finally, in the last module, he talks about its monitoring service called CloudWatch. CloudWatch. How do I automatically trigger these things? How can I, what tool is available for me so that I can automatically trigger things to happen? CloudWatch is your answer for most of those questions. It is a metric collector. Your EC2 services are constantly generating metrics. I can hook a CloudWatch monitoring service to that, that EC2, to that RDS, to that name your service, to my elastic load balancer, 
and I'm gathering those metrics, then based on those metrics, I can set alarms to say, when I reach this value, do something. Fire off an auto-scaling group, send out a notification, dump logs off somewhere. This is a monitoring service that has the alarm capability built in. Plus, you can get pretty graphs if you go to the monitoring tab in most of these services. You can get lovely little graphs that show you what's happening, what's happened over the last so many hours, depending on the period of time that you want to look at. And that's the five modules. Hold on a sec, Barry. What if I want to learn more about AWS? You can go online, Amazon or aws.amazon.com training self-paced labs. There's a large number of self-paced labs that you can go through. You want to know how to create an EC2? This will walk you through it. You want to know how to create a DynamoDB? You want to know how to create an ElastiCache? There are self-paced labs for all of those. And there are some from the very introductory level all the way up to the expert level. There are a lot of training information on there. So if you'd like to learn more about AWS, definitely check out that site. On the site, you can also find information about getting certified as well as AWS's classes and workshops. And that's a wrap. But stick around to hear my thoughts about the event. I think it's fair to say there were two groups of people in the audience. Those who are familiar with AWS and those who are not. The ones who got the most value out of this were those who are not. And I think this is the group the organizer is trying to target. Don't forget, the reason this event is free with food is because they're hoping to acquire some new clients. So for some, this may seem like a big sales pitch, and that's okay. The marketing team perhaps thought this was the best way to tap into the Vancouver market. And I think it worked. It was a huge turnout. Now how many did they actually convert? I don't know, but at least they got the crowd size. For existing customers hoping to get more technical training, this perhaps wasn't the event to attend. Although they did have on-site solution architect, so it was still a good event to ask questions if you had any. Because my knowledge of AWS fell in the lower middle tier, I still got value out of this event. So if you're like me, you probably get value out of this event as well. Let me give you some advice, bastard. Never forget what you are. The rest of the world will not. Wear it like armor. It can never be used to hedge. Thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of the Events Podcast. I'd love to hear your comments on the show. Send me an email, eventspodcast at gmail.com. And don't forget to subscribe. I'm Samantha Ming, and I hope you have an awesome day.